Hello and welcome to the 13th episode of Return to the Temple, a Lucha Underground retrospective podcast. We're on this 13th episode of 13th, pardon me, episode of Lucha Underground, a Lucha Underground retrospective podcast. We will be breaking down for the second time the 13th episode of Lucha Underground entitled Johnny Mundo versus the Machine. Uh, and you may be saying, what do you mean? Oh, also, I'm Jacob. Steve is with me. Uh, we're going to skip the pleasantries, unfortunately. We had a little bit of a boo-boo this time, guys, which is that we tried to record the whole episode. We got almost to the very end of the episode. Uh, we just had, I believe, the last 10 minutes or seven minutes we were not able to cover. And we got our episode deleted, which was really cool. Very awesome of technology to do this to us. Yeah. Uh, we know that it's um, Matt Stryker and Vampiro trying to shut us down. They don't want us to spread the word that they're not good at their jobs. Clearly. And we are going to be doing a little mini episode where we're just going to kind of rush through, give our very, very base level thoughts. And then we also have an email in the mailbag that we're going to discuss. So let's get into it. Ivelisse promo before the match, before the first match of the night. She said that she was very annoyed at people who were criticizing Son of Havoc and that he was going to silence all the haters they tried to prove it with a match where Son of Havoc faced off against Angelico. Uh, Angelico won and tried to kiss Ivelisse. He failed, but unfortunately for everyone involved, Son of Havoc accidentally succeeded in knocking Ivelisse off the apron. So Angelico walked away with the win, and Ivelisse walked away with some uh, an injury to her stomach. And Son of Havoc walked away with some bruised pride and a bruised relationship. We both gave this match three out of five Mascaras. Uh, we then had a segment where Dario Cueto and Johnny Mundo discussed Johnny Mundo's return to Lucha Underground and that he was going to be in the main event this very episode against the Machine Cage. Uh, and there was some a little bit of sass, a little bit of tension still between the two. Pentagon then had a very stupid segment where we just got the same Pentagon segment that we've had three times. And then we had a match, which was Famous B versus Pentagon Jr. Uh, Pentagon, in about two minutes, beat famous B and then snapped his arm after the bell. I gave this match three. I believe you gave it three as well. Yes. Uh, we then had a Pentagon promo where he pledged his loyalty to his teacher and said that this was his first victim. We then see Cueto talking to a mystery person at that same prison that we've seen before. He mentions that the woman who we have seen wearing the leather who interacted with him last week is named black Lotus and he said that he has to keep this temple safe from Matanza and intimated that the key was involved in that in some way. Uh, we then had Drago versus Aerostar. The commentary for this match was very bad. Uh, good sportsmanlike conduct for the both of them. Solid match. I gave it 3.5. Steve gave it a 3. We then had Katrina popping up to Phoenix as a backstage segment while he was working out and making out with him. Uh, and then saying, don't tell Mill. And he was like, I will not because I don't want to die. Uh, then it was time for our main event. Johnny Mundo versus Brian Cage. Johnny Mundo, he was using those big kicks, using those big kicks a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was very, very useful for him. He was getting a big advantage. Cage was kind of at a loss as to what to do. Uh, but King Cuerno came out of nowhere and struck causing a no contest to be ruled for this match because he attacked Johnny Mundo in the middle of the match. Uh, and we were just about to talk about, Steve, what rating you would give this initial portion of the match. Um, yes. Do you want to split this match into two 
the way I did it was that I had the initial portion of the match and then I had the second portion and where I graded the two of them together. Okay. So I had kind of an initial grade for the first one and then a total grade for the whole thing. Okay. Um, I will do something similar then. Uh, I would probably say I gave this about three maskers. Uh, do you want Great. to give lip service to your dope star moment of the night? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Uh, mm-hmm. My dope star moment of the night was this really cool tilt-a-whirl backbreaker combo that Cage did. He kind of spun Mundo around, brought him over the knee, and then it's, it's keeping that same position, spun him around and brought him down on the other knee, which is something that can only be done if you're the size and power that Cage has, and I thought it was just really, really fantastic. Yeah. Um Slight spoiler, my dope star moment also involves Cage, but in a hilariously different way. I'm so, excited to hear about it. <laughs> all right, so the match gets interrupted by King Cuerno, who beats the ever-living shit out of Johnny Mundo and fucks up his leg. Uh, he does the old ring post spot, and then he hits him with the chair. Uh, he says the hunt begins again because uh, he is under the impression that that fur coat Mundo wears is actually his pelt. Um, so Cage, after a minute, who is reeling after a suicide dive for quite a bit, uh, but after in the middle of this beatdown, he's like, ah, fuck it. He starts walking up the stairs, and then Dario Cueto comes out and he's like, hold on, hold on, Cage. Oh, is, is, I, I know what your dope star moment of the night is now. <laughs> and Cage <laughs> stops at the top of the stairs, but he doesn't turn around. That's very important. He says, Johnny, I can't let your first match back, this main event, be spoiled. Or I'm going to give the fans what they want. I'm going to restart this match. And Cage's reaction, he does a fucking, like, a full turn with the biggest shit-eating grin on his face. It's so good. And, that, uh, but I made I sure my you, screenshot option a- worked. I was sending this in chat. Hold on. This was almost my dope star moment of the night. I thought this was so fun. Yeah, he's so excited. He's like, oh, wait. It's it's a shame. Uh, he's mostly in shadow, but you can still tell he's grinning ear to ear. That's how, like, over the top his posturing is. It's fantastic. It's a great reaction gif. Uh, if I can ever gif that, that'd be great. Um, so Cage excitedly hops back down to the ring. Yeah. Uh, the match restarts. Pardon me. And uh, Mundo was doing so well with those kicks earlier, but he's been totally, you know, had his legs taken out from under him, literally. So Cage is able to press the early advantage. Big spine buster from Cage. Follows up with some repeated elbow drops on the injured leg. Mundo gets some distance to and gets on the apron. Connects with some kicks, but Cage dodges, uh, which has Mundo kick the ring post directly, which looks so painful. Like yeah. shin on ring post contact. Very, very gross. Uh, Cage gets a stretch muffler locked in, but Mundo makes it to the ropes. Cage looks for Lucifer's Creed, but Mundo slips out, hits a Pele kick, gets the moonlight drive, but Cage kicks out. And this was one of my favorite storytelling moments of the night. Um, Mundo's face, he didn't oversell it. Uh, you know, a lot of people joke about, you know, the the preponderance of shocked kickout faces. Yeah, But you could see from Mundo's perspective that that was it. That was his last chance. He yeah. it, he tries to hit Fiend and Mundo, but you can tell that he knows he isn't going to be able to do it properly. Yeah. That Moonlight Drive was his last and best chance of winning this match. And with Cage kicking out, you can see he's kind of accepted defeat. Uh, 
So Mundo goes up for Fiende Mundo, but Cage just grabs his leg, yanks him off the turnbuckle and right onto his shoulders in a fireman's carry, hits the F5. Mundo kicks out and manages to hit a sunset flip bomb. Last possible chance for victory, but Cage kicks out, hits the discus lariat, hits the Lucifer's Creed. Cage wins. What a fucking storytelling event this was at the end of the episode. Yeah, I was a big fan. Uh, you mentioned uh, Mundo's reaction to kicking out. I also really liked Cage's reaction to Mundo kicking out of the F5. Uh, it actually reminded me of something you had mentioned last week, or yes, last week, talking about how Cage didn't really seem that pissed off that Puma was kicking out of stuff. And in this one, Mundo kicks out and Cage is furious. Uh, and that is uh, when he hits the, uh, he goes for another move, get, and that's where his roll-up kicks out, is still pissed off, hits the, uh, I was going to call it the Discord Lariat again. The, the Discord Lariat. Damn it. The as he's discus around, he's like, As lariat. he's like completing the rotation, you just hear him being like, hey there, kid. He's <laughs> yeah. like, hey, buddy. Say, as, as we are recording on Discord. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what did you think of this match? Like, overall? I thought this would be a fun match for a Cage versus Mundo feud. Uh, but I thought Mundo got entirely too much offense in. I was really annoyed by it, actually. Because you have the I champion here, thought- and then you have Cage wreck his shit, and then you have Cage on his back foot for 90% of this match. Uh, I think this is an example where, you know, Mundo has a tougher time with Puma than he does with Cage because Puma does what he does, but does what Mundo does, but better. But Mundo has all of this um, veteran experience, veteran instincts. He knows how to take down bigger guys. That's an experience that Puma doesn't really have at this point. So I was really able to believe like, oh, Cage knows exactly what is necessary to take down. Oh, sorry, Mundo knows exactly what is necessary to take down Cage here. He's done this a million times. He has, um, like you know, hundreds of more, you know, like like uh, like dozens more in ring hours or hundreds of more in ring hours than Puma does. He knows what he needs to do to end this match, and he has so much more power in his kicks than than Puma does. Um, so I was able to believe those. I was able to believe his kicks as more effective weapons than Puma's were. Because Puma uses his kicks to, like, stun. Yeah. Mundo uses them to potentially end matches. Yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't have I did not have as a tough a time with uh, this as you did. And I thought, you know, the storytelling with the kicks being so effective. Cuerno recognizing that and targeting the leg specifically, which would allow Cage to then take advantage when, the, when he knew everyone involved, except for Cage, I guess, and Mundo. It, it, yeah. It's clear that Cuerno was sent out here as a mercenary by Cueto to take out Johnny Mundo, uh, unleash whatever beating he wanted, and then Cueto would allow the match to be restarted to give Cage the victory. And I just yeah. thought the storytelling was so cool. Um, perfectly executed, in my opinion. 4.5 out of 5. On the verge of 5 for me. Wow. Okay, you were really high on this. Um, yeah, I just... Particularly the fact that Mundo was still relatively competitive after... The injury that uh, it was just I, I too like, that like so i like the concept of mundo being craftier than puma i just think he should have had about 50 percent less offense uh 
And he still would have had I, more offense than Puma did if he had 50% less. I think um, that's a reasonable gripe. Uh, but I, I think the and, thing that really sold me on this wasn't just wasn't the wasn't just the actual work. Yeah. But it was the intricate storytelling that happened from the beginning of the show with the Mundo and uh, yeah. Cueto meeting to the end of the show with well, this final humiliation. Well, to follow up on that storytelling wise, the guy that you needs to be solidified is cage, not Mundo Mundo. We know is a main, you know, we say one, a one B between him and Puma earlier and the other version of the recording. So like to have cage like cage did in this match, the way that I would expect somebody like Penta to do right now. I haven't. Um, I, I agree. I think the issue is that this, this match would have been a lot better. I think also in your eyes, if it had happened later, yes. like if cage had gotten some more time to establish himself as a serious threat. Yeah. Uh, then it would have been okay for Mundo to get this offense on him because th- this is the third cage match we've seen so far. Yeah. And he's won one of them, got himself disqualified from the other, and then needed Cuerno's assistance to win this one. So I, I agree with you that this is not the ideal build for Cage as a character. Yeah. And I'm not arguing with that. But I think uh, as a chapter in the ongoing feud between Cueto and Mundo, I liked this a lot. Yeah. I also didn't pick up on the concept that Cuerno was sent out specifically by Cueto. I'm I'm thinking that's a thing. I think that's a thing. Like, right? I don't because remember if it's a thing or not. Like it, I might be wrong, but it, it felt more like um Cuerno is pretty naturally going to go for somebody else up further up the line. And then I I think Cueto would organically Cueto and Cuerno. That's going to be fun. Um, Cueto would pretty naturally be like, "Well, I might as well fuck over Johnny while I can." Like the opportunity presented itself. Um, I didn't. It didn't strike me as like some grand plan to fuck over Johnny, uh, as much as just an opportunity to fuck over Johnny. I think. The, the reason why I thought it was so specific is because Cueto immediately came out and was like, oh, no, how could this have happened? Don't yeah. worry, Johnny. I won't let your special main event end this way. Uh, it just seemed like he was really... It, it seemed pre-prepared, in my opinion. I think that if it is pre-prepared, it makes it a better story. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I enjoyed the match very much as it uh, was garnered for my rating. I initially had this at um, four, and then I bumped it up yeah. on my second watch by uh, half a mascara. Yeah. Uh, I gave uh, this three and a half. I was tempted to bump it up to four, but I think I'm going to stay at three and a half. Mascaras. Overall, I'm going to give this show a three and a half, I think. Uh, Solid I think, stuff. Or maybe, Yeah, three and a half. 3.75, actually. Yeah. Uh, I think fun. I'm just going to give this one a th- three. Understandable. Uh, All right. Solid stuff. Uh, and now in the last couple of minutes of the podcast, now that we have had finished, uh, that is not the end of the episode. What you missed the post credits again. Oh my God. Yeah, there is there. I have it (laughs) written down here as well. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. So, uh, 
Post credits. I, wish, I wish it was the end of the episode. I wish this didn't happen. But yeah, it did. So, um, and Quato's on the phone, and I actually, even as somebody who's seen the show, I don't know who he's talking to on the phone. Uh, but he's talking about how he has a massive problem. Uh, and he doesn't say names, but it's pretty obvious he's talking about Black Lotus. Uh, and then he's interrupted by a knock on his door. And out comes a uh, notorious dog shit, boring ass wrestler, Alberto El Patron. Dog shit person, boring fucking wrestler, yeah. all around uninteresting guy, except when he's doing something notably evil. Yeah. In real life, not yeah. in character. Just. Yeah. Ugh. Fun fact Alberto uh, Del Rio is why I didn't watch wrestling for like an extra four years. How come? Because I fell because... out of I fell out of watching wrestling, and I was I got like super into MMA. Uh, and then I, out of curiosity, turned on an episode of Monday Night Raw, and I saw Alberto Del Rio put on the shittiest fucking armbar I've ever seen anybody put on, and I was like, "This is dumb." They're just doing really dumb versions of MMA stuff now. So I turned it off, and I didn't return until my sophomore year of college. Uh, so that's fun fact about Alberto Alpatron. Is he um, in prison now? I hope he is. I have no idea. He got the shit kicked out of him by Tito Ortiz, if anybody wants to watch that. That was real fun. Uh, also what happened? Because I know. What about when he like kidnapped his uh, ex-girlfriend? Yeah, no idea. I don't keep up with him. Um, uh, in short, he sucks, and we now have an, another person to add an obligatory fuck yeah. this person too whenever they do something uh yeah. a level like, above this, in a while yeah we uh we talked previously about the um the scale of uh what was the term we used this the scale of shit wrestlers or, or sh- terrible person wrestlers and we established that uh we had mentioned will osprey we established will osprey was a little like lower mid Right, I would say between Ivelisse and Sexy Star, presumably. Yeah. Uh, Now, Alberto is now above Sexy Star on that list, I believe. Uh, I think, and for those of you at home who may be familiar with WWE and maybe not so familiar with Lucha Underground, a good way to gauge if someone is a bad person or not is if they have dated Paige. (laughs) If they've dated Paige, they're a bad person. Um she she just picks them. She has an eye. She yeah. has a type. Um, I know that uh, only. Sorry, this is if she's in an extended relationship with you, not if she just sleeps with you. Because big fan of Xavier Woods, yeah, great guy say. from everything I've heard. Uh, um, controversial opinion Alberto about Rio, down down. Um, yeah, the transphobe that she's dating now. Uh, bad people. Yeah. Anyway, uh, solid episode with the exception of that segment. Now that you've reminded me of that segment, I'm going to bump my rating down to <laughs> 3.5. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not so fun. Uh, but we will see you all next week. But before we see you all next week, we have a mailbag, which I did not want to get lost in the shuffle, even though we had our uh, little reshuffle here. So yeah. uh, an email from our good friend, Ricky. I will not be using his shoot name because we respect our friends privacy here on the podcast uh, you know what the funny uh, part guys, of that was what is for a second when you said ricky i was like don't use the shoot name <laughs> <laughs> i got it brother don't worry yeah. uh here's what we got 
Hey guys, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. The podcast is pretty damn good. Thank you very much once again. Uh, the thank you very much parts, that's me adding it in. He didn't yeah, put that in. Enough. He didn't thank himself for giving out the compliments. It sucks Lucha Underground isn't on Tubi in Canada. A couple of questions for you guys to give you some extra content. Question number one. If you could put any wrestler from any era in the temple for a dream match, who are you picking and what is the match? Meme answers are acceptable. And question number two. What would your fantasy booking be for a first four-episode Chavo Guerrero championship run? Uh, also not a question, but some facts on Puma King since you guys brought him up. The dude is a second-generation luchador, son of El Felino, the nephew of Negro Casas. He's been around since 2006. That is about it. All right. Thank you very much, Ricky, for the email. We appreciate it. Uh, question number one. Let's dive into it. You could put any wrestler from any era in the temple for a dream match. Who are you picking and what is the match? My answers to this would be Brian Danielson versus Angelico, which I think would be just really, really satisfying from a submission perspective and, and kind of a technical wrestling. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, and then also I would like to see Kona Reeves versus Famous B. I think that would be equally enjoyable, equally... Um, kind of groundbreakingly high quality. Uh, those would be my answers. Steve, I know that you have your two favorites, and I assume that you're going to incorporate them into your answers. I'm saying this like I didn't already hear your answers yeah. about 40 uh, minutes ago. Although, as you mentioned that, I do want a uh, quick shout-out to honorary mention Brian Danielson versus first four episode Chavo Guerrero. That would be excellent. That would be really sick. Oh, my God. Imagine how good... I mean, you know, no offense, like... We talked about we loved Chavo's work. He's definitely not at Brian Danielson level. So that match would get elevated like crazy. That would be sick. Yeah. Uh, Chavo would be so relieved. He's like, I don't have to just teach you how to wrestle on the fly. Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> but uh, obviously, my two favorite wrestlers of all time, Buddy Murphy, Goldberg, uh, depending on the day, which one's number one, which one's number two. Uh, my dream match for Buddy Murphy or Buddy Matthews would be Prime, peak, final form Penta, which does not exist in AEW. So even though we're going to get that match, presumably it's just not going to quite have that same Lucha Underground spice that I really need. Uh, and then the other one would be Goldberg. And I went up with uh, Johnny Mundo because I thought Mundo could offer a very similar style match that DDP gave Goldberg back in the day. Um, and then there were honorary mentions to Bobby Lashley, Batista, and then The Undertaker specifically so he could cut promos with Katrina and hilarity would ensue. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, on to the second question. I just clicked on the wrong tab. Uh, what would your fantasy booking be for a first four-episode Chavo Guerrero championship run? Uh, I have a pretty solid one of this. So we both agree that it should happen. He should be the inaugural Lucha Underground champion instead of Prince Puma. He yes. should steal the victory in Aztec Warfare. And then I was thinking of it like throughout his championship run, he would be cutting these shitty li like shitty little deals with various heels. Yeah. So, you know, if he had babyface interference in, in a match that he was about to have. No, sorry, not babyface interference. If he was about to face a babyface opponent, he would cut some deal with a heel where he would get them to interfere in the match, and then he would be like, but don't worry, I'll give you a championship opportunity down the line. But then he wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of he would continue to alienate more and more of the roster kind of in like these very short-term attempts to extend his championship. And then yeah. it, and eventually all of the locker room would be against him. Everyone would abandon him. 
Uh, he wouldn't be able to make any more shitty little deals, and then Prince Puma would come and beat his ass for that championship. Yeah, uh, that was pretty much uh, the gist of my idea, just somewhere in the middle of there. Uh, I would also throw in a thing where uh, to sort of parallel that early mentorship he had over uh, Sexy Star before he turned heel, he would all, he would in turn sort of develop a mentorship with Ivelisse instead, and in the process maybe drive a bit of a wedge between her and Son of Havoc early on. Um, but yeah, I believe that is it. The official shortest episode of uh, Return to the P- Temple podcast. So, such a shame. Uh, thank you so much, Ricky, for the email, and we will see you all next time. Mwah! Kiss us through the internet. Outro! All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this episode of Return to the Temple. I have been Steve. He has been Jacob. If you want to follow along as we journey through this great Lucha Underground adventure together, you can always buy or rent these episodes individually or by the season on Amazon. And here is where you can find us on social media. Our Twitter is return podcast. Our Instagram is return to the temple and our email address where you can email us is RTTT. That's three T's folks. RTTT pod at gmail.com. We hope to see you in the next episode to continue the wild Lucha action. See you later.